so when I got uh, landed, I walked up, and when you see people run to you, there's something serious. Yeah. So they said, get over here. Uh, well, we got uh, Hanky. He's a driver. He's trapped. He's pinned. Lanny Jones is also hurt, but we're t- taking care of him. So when I got got there, I opened the back door and walked through. David Harrison was holding Dougie. So you came through the back door of the I, ambulance? Yeah, because there was no fr- front. The front. Yeah, yeah, there was no front. Uh, the front was pushed in so far. Um, Dougie's uh, left knee was against his chest. Yeah, that's how bad it was. And his arms was uh, through the steering wheel being bent. Logbook Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Dawson, and joining me once again today with those co-hosting duties, Henry Rosenbaum. Henry, thanks for uh, thanks for helping me pull this together and setting this up. Yeah, Robbie, thank you, and it's always a pleasure, and uh, definitely looking forward to today. Yeah, this is going to be an interesting one for sure. Uh, today's guest has probably had uh, more influence on the EMS providers in Virginia than anybody I've, uh, I've known. His experiences at uh, multiple EMS agencies, including two volunteer rescue squads, contract ambulance service for the city, uh, Richmond, uh, Chesterfield Fire and EMS, firefighter paramedic, a med flight one paramedic, an avid educator of basic and advanced level EMTs. And that's that's just the stuff I know of, along with his reputation of being an outstanding medic, have um, made many paramedic around these parts uh, in Virginia look up say that uh, if they ever were hurt really bad, I hope to look up and see Frank Chen working on me. And uh, thankfully today, Henry and I are going to dig in a little bit deeper into that history of this legend with uh, the man himself. Uh, please welcome Frank Chen. The Frank, good to see you. Uh, thank you, Robbie. Thank you, uh, yeah, <laughs> uh, for, for Henry, for uh, being here. So, uh, man, true story though. I, I mean, it, everybody. You know, I mean, you, you. How many, how many EM, how many EMTs or paramedics do you think you've educated over your career? Well, even uh, back in when I got out of the military, seventy-five. So in seventy-six, I started. Uh, getting back into the volunteer rescue squad. And that's where I started getting my um, EMT um, instructor certification. So I've been teaching since then. Still teaching today. So. And still teaching today. So uh, who have I taught? Uh, 45 years, uh, just as an educator. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, taught uh, Eddie Ferguson. Doogie. Yeah, yep. Doogie. He was... Uh, now the fire chief in Goochland. Now yep. the fire chief. But uh, I remember uh, how young he was and you know, how he went through the class. So. Hence the uh, moniker Doogie Hauser. The Doogie Hauser, yeah, yes. Yeah. So. I bet there's some uh, medical doctors out there that started with. It's, it's, it's funny. A lot of times when I'm bringing patients into the trauma center or, or the ER, it's, um, somebody will come out and says, hey, you taught my EMT class. And he's now a surgeon or a doctor or an anesthesiologist. Yeah, awesome Happens all the time. That's that's fantastic. E- even when I go out of town, like Charlottesville, or even down to Florida, uh, people come up and says, "I know you." And I'm looking at it like, "Okay, uh, what did I do?" <laughs> and they they said uh, that I have taught them one way or other, EMT, uh, advanced uh, uh, um, cardiac life support stuff like that. Oh wow! So yeah, yeah we'll dig into that a little bit more. But let's go back to the beginning. You said. Uh, 75, it, it, were you in the rescue squad before you went in the military? Hey, hey Robbie, let's, yeah. uh, I was going to say, let, tell us a little bit about what you did in the military. Uh, the military, um, I went in 69, October, and then uh, went up to Great Lakes, first time I ever tra- traveled out of the country. Uh, you, even Great Lakes is in this country. Right? Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> it, it was Almost. It was Great, great Lakes. <laughs> Almost so. out of the country, but yeah. Yeah, so. Uh, so you in the Navy? Is that where you went? Yeah, I was uh, Navy until when I graduated from the academy. Uh, they did a test on me and what my aptitude was, uh, what I was, um, as far as a career path, and they uh, advised me to be, uh, um, become a hospital coordinator. Wow. Well, that test worked out pretty well. Yeah, because I had previous fair. experience uh, uh, with um the rescue squad. So you had started, you were in the squad before you enlisted in the... Yeah. Uh, Forest View Rescue Squad. Oh, you were in Forest View. See, I didn't even know that. I, I thought you were West End and Lakeside. No, no it's, uh, I started Forest View Rescue Squad, and it began when a couple of junior members came down to the high school, Huguenot High School, and uh, they all gathered us in the auditorium because they were going to do a demo uh, uh, thing. You know. 
and I was up on the top bleacher. I wasn't interested. And so it was uh, kind of hot. I said, man, this is a free class day. And all of a sudden, uh, there was a commotion uh, just down a couple bleachers from me. And I looked over, and I saw this girl. I mean, she looked like death. I mean, her face was white. Her eyes were uh, glazed open. And I went, oh, my God, she's dead. And so we were all, you know, kind of yelling, screaming, oh, my God, oh, my God. And I remember one guy down, um, the junior member, his name was uh, Rick Moore. And he whistled very loud, got our attention, says, calm down. So he, uh, a couple of them walked up, got got her down, down and uh, just, you know, kind of tempted her. And she woke up and went, oh, my God. And I, from that day, I went, that's what I want to do. Rick, Rick Morrow, there's another legend. That's a name that I hadn't heard in a while. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. Rick Morrow, um, uh, Roger Knuckles. Uh, wow. So that's where it all started. It's yep. Some poor uh, high school student passed out. And, hey, yep. I want to do that. Yep. And then uh, uh, this when the draft kick came out, and I was 1A, and I said, hmm. It's either a good number or a bad number, depending yeah, on your perspective. Yeah, so when I looked at my lottery number, it was 11. So I knew I was going to get picked. Uh, so I went down down to the federal building. And I walked in there and bypassed the Army, bypassed the Marine, and I was looking for air, either Air Force, Coast Guard, and nothing was taken. So I walked around the corner, and I seen this um, Chief Petty officer with his feet up on the desk holding a uh, uh, cup of coffee. I'm like, that's what I want to do. I could do that job. I could do that. <laughs> so uh, that's how I uh, became um, – uh, Navy men went to uh, the academy. Uh, went to Balboa in California, San Diego, and uh, took the to uh, hospital corner course. So, what did you do then? Did you stay stateside and worked in facilities, or did you get? I know the Navy provides medics and corpsmen to the Marine Corps. Did you? Yeah, did you they um, they shipped me over to um, uh, advanced uh, um, um, uh, medical, so they sent me to Fort, uh, Fort Sam Houston for some advanced uh, training. Then they shipped me o- overseas to Southeast Asia. Yeah, so mm-hmm. served overseas. With, were you with a Navy unit, or did you get attached to the Marine Corps? Uh, Navy unit. <laughs> and that yeah. started in '69. Uh, I joined '69 April. And I mean October. How many years did you stay in? Well, I got out '75. Uh, I extended mm-hmm. for a uh, uh, couple of months. Wow. Well, thank you for your service. And, uh, <laughs> it's, and, it, it was a while ago. It was uh, quite an experience uh, being a hospital corpsman with um, uh, the military and everything that you, you you think about what a combat medical will do. This. So how much how much of that then? Because back today, I know that um, a lot of the special forces medics and those medics wind up riding with medics in the field today. How mm-hmm. much how much of that was going on back then? Was there a lot of civilian to military transition, or was it? No. You were military, you did your thing, and the civilians were doing their thing. The, uh, the, there wasn't hardly any uh, civilian that I – because we were in uh, uh, the fort for a fire base. Mm-hmm. And so mostly I stayed in, in the, the hospital unit, and they would bring casualty in. So that's mostly what I did. Yeah. How much of that do you think translated from the work you did then to when you came back to civilian life? Was it transitional, or did it help? It, it helped me as far as my career uh, and my, my go, but when I came out, and uh, got to civilian life. The only thing I was qualified for was a nurse's aide. And here I was doing sutures. I was doing uh, um, labs, uh, f- uh, pharmacy, uh, holding sick call, uh, setting bones, uh, doing x-rays. By yourself? Yeah, yeah By we, we were in, in, in a unit. Right. So, But yep. you got to do all that and then come, oh, yeah. to, come to civilian life, and now you just... They, they wouldn't allow me to... Um, Continue to the experience that I had yeah. coming out. So, what did you do when you came out? I know we crossed paths probably late seventies, early eighties in mm-hmm. Lakeside. How did you? What was the middle seventies <coughs> to the early eighties when we caught up to each other? So, I was working at Powhatan Correctional Center, and there to uh, kind of match exactly what I was uh, doing, because anything that we did to um, the inmates holding sick call and so forth. So, I was doing basically almost the same thing. As a nurse's aide, or were you? No, uh, I was. Categories of physician assistant category two, but not a licensed PA. Not a, like not a licensed PA. Yeah. This is uh, for private citizens. Gotcha. Okay. So uh, they sent me to school for that. Worked at Powhatan Correction Center for a couple of years, and during that time, I met uh, Paul Bowling, 
And another EMS legend. Yeah. Yep, Paul Bolin, and talked to him, uh, you know, about um, the the rescue squad, and he got me to come to Lakeside. Were you riding at Forest View after you came back, or did you kind of transition away from Forest View? Uh, Powhatan, I went to Lakeside Rescue. Uh, okay. That's how I met Paul. Yeah, that's where we, we crossed paths. Yeah. <laughs> so were you EMT by, at this point, or? I was a cardiac technician. By the, by now you are a cardiac yeah. technician. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you're part of the first real cardiac technician graduates back yeah, in the mid Yeah, there was St. Mary's Hospital, uh, Dr. S- uh, William Smith. And so we were the Let's see, first group. We were the third group to go through yeah. as a cardiac technician. So you were uh, you were breaking the breaking the ice, as they say. So yep, <laughs> we sort of were. Do you remember your uh, cardiac technician number? Six seven nine. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> yeah. For uh, see, uh, many people don't realize that when we got our certifications back there, that you had a uh, an yeah. EMT certification number, and then you'd get your cardiac certification number. And then if you went on to paramedic, you got a paramedic certification number. Yeah. My, yeah. my yeah. CT was like 2406, I think. Yeah, it was 25-something. Yeah. And then I, I want to say paramedic was 318, 20-something. Yeah, I, was, I think it was 317 was mine. What yeah, was your we paramedic were, number? Um, the National Registry? Well, your no, state, uh, state. state. You remember that one? Because it was like a 23577-2406-P. Oh Oh, uh, P-128. You were 128th paramedic in the state. Yeah, Yeah, see, if you were, I'm sorry, if you were 317, I was around the 38. We were in the same class. Same class, so we were in the same numbers. Yeah, Yeah, we were the first uh, group to go through the paramedic class at VCU. Yeah. Uh, um, MCV. MCV. That's that's the other question Mm -hmm. I was going to ask. Where did you go to college? Because I think there was a couple of folks that went up going to Roanoke because that was the only program in the state at the Mm -hmm. time. And who was the instructor then at VCU then? Um, MCV. I remember her first name was Becky. Okay. And uh, the the coordinator, he came from Ohio. Um, he was with the uh, Freedom Am- Ambulance Corps. He was uh, one of those uh, um, um, paramedics that, uh, that organized and got, got trained. He came down as our coordinator. Yeah, wow. by the time we were there, it was Vicki Miller. Vicki Miller. Vicki Miller, that's her. Vicki Miller. Yeah, yeah, so she yeah. was, she was yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So she was still there then mm-hmm. for your she class, started. and then wow. yeah. yeah, she was she was our um, uh, coordinator. <laughs> yep. Mm. Well, what, what work wise, so you were working in Powhatan as a correct in the correctional system, uh, volunteering at Lakeside. Where did you wind up going from there? Allied Ambulance, because I knew that uh, working at Powhatan Correctional Center was not idea. I, to work with the prison system, you're always on your toe. You have to watch what you say, what you do, and you're always being uh, evaluated. And you can you cannot allow the inmates to um, do favors for you, you know. And it, it it was it was really tough. So all I was doing was babysitting yeah. and trying to not to get manipulated. And I didn't like the job at all. Yeah. So. I uh, went down to Allied Ambulance. And Allied had a contract with this. Was that when the contract, they had the They had the contract, contract with the city. And uh, when I went down to Allied, uh, I walked in and the officer said, uh, hey, uh, I'm a cardiac te- technician. I want to uh, work uh, in the ambulance service. So they took me to E.C. Uh, e. Long's office. E.C. Long uh, looked at me, looked at the, the resume that I had. He looked at me and says, raise your arm. And I raised my arm and said, Touch yourself right here. Said, are you warm? It said, yeah, you're hired. That was the, that was the entrance exam. Yeah, that was the entrance exam. Check your own yeah. temperature. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And that that uh, working with Allied Ambulance was a lot, a lot of good experience. What what type of stuff were you doing? I mean, it, did they do uh, routine transports back then, or were they strictly nine one one type calls? Yeah, we were mostly uh, strictly nine one one calls, working with B, um, Bureau Mercy Communication or BEC. So. We well we get a call, um, uh, we get dispatch out out uh, on a van van ambulance and we handle the calls. Much fire service involved. The fire the fire, fire service had nothing to do with us. Matter of fact, they had little to do with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we go to an accident scene, there's a, a, a fire engine there with fire firefighters. They're taught basic first aid. And I remember putting an EOA with one of my patients from the accident who stopped breathing. 
So I put 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 it in. I was turned around. I was going to do something else. When I looked, the EOA was gone. A firefighter took took it out. This patient out and said, uh, "Patient's dead," and put it into somebody else. <laughs> the firefighter took it out. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. So they have no uh, love for us at all. Oh man. And if you needed help on a medical call, you just call for another ambulance. Uh, no, we were we were it. Yeah. Uh, there was no assistant. There was no backup. A two person wow. crew. It was a two person crew. We had to handle it. How many how many ambulance crews were on duty in the city back then? You remember? Like four or five ambulances at a time for the whole city. for the whole city, yeah. Uh, side. For, for us, you still ran some, some West End, West still end. yeah, because uh, West End was about pretty bu- busy. Forest View with the South Side, um, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, but the city proper and Churchill and just south of the river. Yeah, my, my oh. district was uh, Churchill. Mm-hmm. Did you? Uh, in w- because Allied had the contract for a while, and then Commonwealth got it. Did you transition to Commonwealth? No. Uh, here's the deal. So um, one of the calls, when it was out to a, a Maggie Walker football field, and we had an injured player out there. So uh, my partner was Jeff um, Black. Interesting character. <laughs> so we went out to the uh, um, football field. They were yelling at us for ruining the field. We told us, get the because you were dri- driving the ambulance on there? Yeah, we were uh, uh, essentially ruined the field, I guess, and they were upset about it. But we were just trying to get to the uh, injured player because we could see, see him. So next thing we know, the the players got around the ambulance and started rocking. And it literally it rock, uh, rocked so much that we thought that we were going to tip over. With you guys in it? With us in it. And um, Jeff yelled and says, you <laughs> – I mean, and that upset him more, and he – Punched the gas, floored it, and we got the hell out of there. Wow. Yeah. Well, at, at a football game. The at football, football players. Game. So the part the, to that story is um, we got called, uh, got another patient, took him to uh, the MCV. And I was sitting there disgusted about what happened. And so I saw Seabass um, pull up, dropping the patient off. And I knew one of, one of the guys, uh, he, he came up and says, Frank, what are you doing? I says, Man, I'm totally uh, just disgusted with this job. He looked at me and says, you want to work with CVAS? And I did. Yeah, CVAS being the Central, Central Virginia, Virginia Ambulance Service. Service yeah. the, they didn't have the city contract at the time. Allied still have it. You can yeah. Commonwealth got it. Right. So it, um, re- I worked with um, CVAS for about two or three years, and uh, – Dick Schummel bid for the city contract and got it. Got it, yeah. And that's where he's uh, uh, divided the uh, ambulance service. Uh, half the unit will do uh, routine transport, and the other units will uh, run city yeah. 911 calls. And I think it, I think that first-generation Richmond paramedical services had – they were kind of dual contractees or – they had something to do with the part of the city because they ran a they ran a geographic part and CVS ran a part because that, that's yeah. that was about the time I jumped from Commonwealth to CVS mm-hmm. and I was only there a short while before I went up in Chesterfield. So mm-hmm. I remember I remember that, that RPS crews they weren't as big as CVS, uh, but they had a small segment of the yeah. city they ran. Al Catlow's was with um, Al Catlow was with RPS. RPS, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dick, Dick Shomo, another legend. He's a he was the he was a <laughs> character and a half. Oh yeah, it, it, he's wide open yep. and he's but he's he's very progressive. Yeah. Part of EMS, if you do your job, he'll back you up. Yep. He yeah. was uh, he was actually uh, I was at a high school and he started a pair um, an EMS degree program out of Hampton University mm-hmm. and was doing kind of satellite classes up here. Those were some interesting classes because that's where I kind of started my back to my college career and. You know, by then I'd been in the fire department, and he was anti-fire department and wanted to do oh. it. Those were some interesting oh, yeah. conversations. So, but he set the groundwork for EMS. He did. He, he, he did the mobile the, um, transport, the whale, the the the, the advanced uh, um, um, technique, the equipment that he uh, he got and got us all trained in it. So. Mm-hmm. We were very progressive uh, as far as you know getting things out. And at, at the time, I think when when he fully took over the city contract there were actually CVAS bases because I think you you were CVAS for a while too and you worked I mean I I didn't get to work the city side of the shop 
I'd, I'd left by then, but by the by the time he took over the whole city, at the time he was he was staging ambulances yep. throughout the city to improve response times. Because when I worked at, at Commonwealth Rescue Service, we had four ambulances working the whole city from one building off of Chamberlain Avenue, and yeah. we would literally run all the way to the south side border with Chesterfield from that north side base station. Yeah, yep. it was a uh, yeah flexible unit deployment was a, a thing of the future at that point in time. So. Uh, so how did you wind up getting in Chesterfield? I'm guessing you went from CVS. I think you went from CVS to I went from uh, CVS to uh, Chester Fire Department. So we were, um, I was trying to uh, figure what my life would be. And I kind of kind of looked at, you know, uh, working into the city, CVS, 13 years. And I figured I need to do something else. Um, so uh, somebody was uh, at the station was talking about the uh, fire service. And so we got into conversation with what you know being a firefighter and it says well I don't want to give up my experience as, as an ALS provider and he says oh no the the way that uh, things are going right now with Chesterfield they're looking for uh, EMS providers especially if you're ALS they're looking for you so that's when um, I made an attempt to go to Chesterfield so I got hired uh, October 88 October of 88 mm-hmm and uh, where did what uh, what what recruit school was that number nineteen nineteenth recruit school? Yep, Rutan Newton was Paul Newton, Evelyn Paul Newton, uh, Evelyn Paul Newton. Uh, <laughs> he, he was a, a tough individual. Yep. He's very strict. First day I walk into the um, training building at the training ground, I had a cup of coffee. Well, nobody told me what the rules were, so I got went in and sat uh, between uh, Steve Oaks and. Uh, the guy from Fairfax, and I set my coffee down. He looked at me, and he yelled at me and says, get that cotton-picking uh, coffee out of my building. And I went, whoa. So that's how I knew uh, how strict it was. Well, welcome to the firehouse. Yeah, welcome to the firehouse. So, yeah. so out, out of recruit school, where did you wind up going? Uh, my first uh, station was Station 12. So Ettrick. The, the, Ettrick. The <laughs> As busy as it was, yeah, as busy it was, and so at that time, at eight, so we're looking at eighty-eight. Um, the, the fire department hadn't started running ambulances of their own yet, had they? N- uh, no, they were just uh, working with the volunteer rescue squad. Um, actually, eleven was the first ambulance, uh, but that was several years years later. After so, uh, Ettrick, we were working with uh, um, Ettrick Matolka, and. Uh, with the fire department and the EMS side of the shop, we're getting along a little better by that point. And well, <laughs> right, we a little better is a relative. Yeah, term. we were getting there, uh, but uh, over the years, it kind of, kind of worked out. Yeah. Uh, so, flashing forward a little bit, still running as a medic firefighter in, in Ettrick. Where else did you? What other station assignments did you wind up at? <clears throat> Let's see. So, out at uh, Ettrick, uh, worked with uh, John Crosby. Um, Tom, uh, Station 8, because when Doug Hankey got hurt, they uh, transferred me down, down there. So it was Station 8 from Station 8. Uh, oh, I went over to MedFlight. Yeah. yeah. So what year was that you went wound up on MedFlight? 90, I think it was 93, 92, 93, because yeah. I remember I was volunteering, and uh, I remember working with you. Yeah, you came on as a and Henry was in this in this group as well. Um, MedFlight had just gotten a, a Bell Long Ranger, so we had the capacity to carry two mm-hmm. providers. And uh, the idea was, you know, we couldn't we couldn't staff it with another paid medic. So hey, let's reach out to the volunteer or the groups in the Central Virginia and bring on volunteers. You two were one of them, Steve Wood, Dollar you know, McKinney, Dollar McKinney, yeah. we you know, a whole group of people. In yeah, fact, I got a, I got a picture of that in my Facebook group. I'll, maybe I'll be put that up there as a as a reminder, so what was it like in your first? You, you had been there as a volunteer first, and then came on as a firefighter yeah, later a, on. Right. What were those kind of shifts <clears throat> like as a volunteer on that system? As a volunteer, Mifflin. Yeah. Uh, we had to schedule our, our ride time, and then we had to go through all the trains that the pay guys w- will go through. So any train we had to make ourselves available with that, and then when we sign up for shift. Uh, we'll ride with uh, the pay guys and um, learn a lot. Yep. 
Yeah, remember the um, certificate we received? It was uh, phase one for cardiac, phase two for paramedic, and phase three was we were the phase uh, three. Yeah. Phase three mm-hmm. was the uh, yeah. the medics the, on the, the flight program out of MCV because it was still yeah. a, you know, Dr. Gervin was the OMD and he he put together a, a curriculum that we, everybody had to jump through all the hoops and pretty much. Yeah, it wasn't just because you were uh, experienced and, and had certifications. You had to meet his certifications and you, uh, his expectations. Yes. Uh, his uh, 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 training modules. And, and this was well before all the you know true aviation medicine certifications yes, that were yes. out there. This was kind of the PHTLS was just becoming a thing. ACLS mm-hmm. for field providers was just becoming a thing, and we were in all in all those. And him being a a, a trauma surgeon really helped out. Yeah, it did. Yeah. So uh, ultimately, wound up getting assigned to MedFlight as a as a full time medic. Uh, which which helicopter were you guys on when you went on? The Long Ranger. So you were still on Long Ranger. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were still on Long Ranger uh, when I got transferred over. So uh, when I was when I got hired in in '88, finished my um, um, fire academy, got stationed at uh, 12. Chief Ings uh, came over to me and says, uh, "Would you be interested in continuing your training as MedFlight?" I said, "Sure." So during that time, he gave me 10 hours every month to go over MedFlight and continue my training. And I think because of that is when I got selected to uh, uh, cover, I think, uh, Jim Kelly. Jim Kelly Kelly wanted to come out. They needed a replacement. And so they came up to me and says, uh, we're interested in you covering MedFlight for a couple months. Well, a couple months was six years. Yeah. It was a little different than my, my introduction to it. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you that story is uh, we were still in paramedic class. MedFlight had just gotten in service less than a year, I want to say. Mm-hmm. And uh, Fred Crosby, who was the head flight paramedic, yes. then, member of Lakeside, caught me one day. He goes, hey, would you be interested in doing kind of what you said, you know, kind of c- coming in, getting spun up and trained up as a backup because they had no depth beyond yeah. the guys that were on the crew. He said, if, you know, if one of them get hurt, so we, don't, we don't have any backups, basically. We trained as a backup. And I said, yeah, I would be interested in that. And he says, well, when you get your national registry ticket, let me know. We'll, we'll get that process rolling. Yeah. You know, forget what it, whenever we graduated and we got the, the the right sized envelope in the mail. Hey, Fred, I got it. I'm ready. Whenever big you big envelope. Yeah. Well, tell me, tell me what to do. Because okay, I'll be back with you. And like a week later, he called me. He goes, Hey, you still interested in coming on as a backup? I said, Yeah. He goes, Good. Next Tuesday, you're assigned there full time. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I'm like, literally, I've been a cardiac tech for about seven or eight months, yeah. paramedic for a couple of weeks. And he said, yeah, Tuesday, you're going to be assigned there full time. Here's your shift schedule. You're going to be on this shift. And here's, I'm like, wait, wait. And he goes, no, but, but first, you're going to go to MCV and work with Dr. Gervin for a few weeks. So I was at MCV with him. I mean, shattered him everywhere. Yes. And then on med flight, for literally flying solo by the seat of my pants, scared to death, 20 years old. And it was <laughs> that was it was fun. It was a huge learning curve, but uh, well worth the experience. So. Yes, thrown yeah. to the wolves. Yeah, I thought a lot of people don't realize. You know, they know MedFlight now being at the uh, airport, but when y'all started, or when MedFlight started, you were at the firehouse. Yeah, station we were, fourteen. We were at fourteen yeah. uh, basically kicked the battalion chief out of his quarters, and the mm-hmm. MedFlight crew picked up the battalion chief's bunk room and office, and you know, the helicopter moved in and out of the bay right there, and the helipad out back. That's where we lived for. It was about three years, so I came on in, in year two, moved mm-hmm. there a couple of years, and then moved to the airport yeah, to with, the hangar. with the aviation unit. Because the aviation unit literally was an office at HPH, SPHQ and a small hangar where they had a fixed wing at the at the airport at the at Chesterfield. And then they built the new hangar that held, housed all of the aviation mm-hmm. assets for uh, for Richmond, including some sleeping quarters, and that's where we went and was moving to. So. <laughs> how, how did you? How long did you stay on MedFlight? Did you stay there for the rest? You didn't stay there for the rest of your career. You came out, didn't you? Yeah, I, I came out uh, there. We're looking for um, a replacement for Jim Rimley because uh, he he wanted to come out, and so I asked if if you select somebody to uh, um, be a replacement, how about if I go back out in the field and uh, um, have your replacement come on full time? Because I hadn't been in fire service for long. I mean, uh, 93, six years. So I had no fire experience. And, uh, six years with four of them being on the helicopter? Four. No, uh, full six years oh. on, on the helicopter. Wow. And no no fire experience. So I, I wanted to get some fire experience. 
So I asked if I could go back out on the field. Yeah. By that time, were there ambulances in the station or at least more? Yes, yes. Uh, yeah, they were uh, getting ambulances in, in, in the fire station. It was uh, Company 11. Uh, that was a busy house. Oh, still God. is. It still is. Yeah, that's when they started getting ambulances uh, yeah. out, out there. So what uh what other kind of highlights of your career? I know uh, you didn't you weren't just a firefighter. You were a firefighter medic, and you went you wound up being on a dive team and tech rescue. What was uh what was that experience like? Well, I've been a uh, scuba instructor um, before uh, I came into the fire fire service. So I was looking to um, get on the dive team to uh, get into the professional role of um, being a diver, and. So we went through a selection process. I uh, made the interview, and I made it on, on a dive team. Then when Jerry found out I was an instructor, he started me uh, having me uh, con work with Jerry Smith, who was in charge of training, and work with him about uh, upgrading everybody's certification and make make sure that we follow the standards and so forth. So getting like dive rescue specialists, dive rescue specialists, uh, nitrox certification, advanced uh, diver. Uh, full face mask uh, certification, yeah. tri suit. Uh, what about tech rescue? You went up with that group as well, didn't you? I had um, uh, previous um, um, technical rescue as as a volunteer with Forest View, and then with uh, Lakeside, so I continued with that, getting the certification with the state uh, and the fire fire program. So when they had an opening for the tech rescue, I applied for it, and at that time they said um, you can only be uh, one specialist, pick one specialty. So dive team or tech. Rescue. Right. Yeah. So I don't know how it happened, but they grandfathered the dive team because we were all uh, technical rescue ropes, and that's what we worked with. Yeah. And so they grandfathered us uh, into the tech rescue. That's how I got in. Yeah. Well, the dive team at the time, they not only did underwater stuff, it was swift water. It was swift water, high lines, and uh, 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 rope work with the rafts, uh, swift water. Yep. Yeah. Which, which really all started back in the rescue squad days. Correct. Um, some of the initial certifications yeah, came from like yeah, so uh, rescue squad. Civil Patrol. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I remember taking courses through yeah. the uh, uh, civil defense. Yeah. Yeah. When did you When did you retire from Chesterfield? What year was that? January 2016. So five years ago now? Five years. Yeah. Almost six. Yeah. Six years next month? Yeah. And uh, when I say retired, you didn't retire. <laughs> Dude, you, you're, you're sitting in front of me now wearing. Well, let's just say I'm uh, not waking up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Well, the lights aren't coming on in the bedroom yeah, anymore. So. You're, you're, you're sitting in front of me wearing a, a ID badge that uh, oh, yeah. is, looks like it's for a couple of different agencies. What are you doing these days? Uh, right now, uh, I'm riding with uh, Goochman uh, Volunteer Rescue as a countywide uh, volunteer. Now, this is an interesting story, too. So I was teaching a course with uh, uh, Eddie Ferguson, and during the uh, the break in the class, there was you know fire trucks, uh, ambulance got going going down, and this is all I did. I just kind of looked up, and this is like a year and a half after retire, and I just kind of had that look, you know, hearing the sirens and all that. Got the urge. You know, Eddie must have saw this and Got says, you miss it, don't you? I said, well, yeah, I spent all, all my life uh, working with uh, um, medical and first aid and EMS. He says, well, what do you do when you're free? I said, nothing. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> he says, well, if you have any spare time, why don't you uh, let me know and I can put you on an ambulance. That's how it started. That's how it started. So I've rode uh, a, a couple times, and the next thing I know, I'm a countywide volunteer. So when I give him his hours, he'll put me in a different station to fill out as an ALS position. So he'll plug you where the vacancies are to yeah. fill us. Yeah, and cool. I, I kind of like it because I'm, I'm, although I'm a volunteer, I'm not locked into any one station. Mm -hmm. So I don't get into their politics. I don't get into a lot of the other stuff that the volunteers are getting. And I work great with uh, paid guys. So they have a paid system too. They, they are, so are you going in and filling where the the paid right. seats are vacant for right. some reason? Oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, uh, worked out to where they need somebody precepted. Uh, that worked out too. So they'll put somebody who needs to be precepted arrive with me. I wonder why. <laughs> yeah. You've been doing that how many years at this point? 
since 1969 in the, in the service, so. Well, it, uh, 19, so 69, 70, about uh, before 1971, being a hospital coroner. We'll, we'll call it 50 plus years, how about that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because so I, I was with the um, uh, Forest View Junior Squad right. before I went in. You also wrote it. Did you write a West End? I like for some reason that pops into my mind. That you yeah, while I was West working with uh, a Seavas, this is after I left uh, Lakeside. Uh, working uh, with Seavas, I had an opportunity to because my wife's restaurant, the House of Line, was just across the street, and I was going out with her and I looked at the rescue squad. Walked over, and says, "Hey, you can need a you, you need a volunteer? Can I hang out here for a while? Yeah, can I?" Uh, so. Yeah, I was uh, with West End while I was working with CVAS. Yeah, neat. And uh, uh, um, continue until I got hired by Chesterfield. Neat. Um, 50 years, you know, Chesterfield, Goochland, West End, Lakeside, Forest View. Tuckahoe. Tuckahoe. You were in Tuckahoe, too? Yeah. Wow. So you've served in, heck, about every volunteer rescue squad around. Except Henrico? No. Um, didn't like him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> East End people. <laughs> yeah. So uh, all, all of those positions, you, let's say you p pick one that you could go back to today and you, you, you get to pick your seat, your shift, your district, the whatever rig you're on, what, what would you go back and do today because – and why would that be the one you'd go back to? As a volunteer or – Either one. Either pick one. Anything you've, been to, anything you've been at, would you go back to do – well, we'd like to do what we did with CVAS because uh, we didn't um, have to stage in one area. and We weren't just a number. We were uh, quite an individual. And working with, with uh, Paul Parker, we kind of made what the system is. So if I had a chance to go back, it would be CVAS, probably working Churchill or Southside, running city emergency calls. The reason is... Uh, when we go out there and um, the way this uh, system is, when you get on a uh, call and you hop off with your partner, um, you kind of uh, get into the routine of what needs to be done. And I like the uh, uh, fact that um, I guess I'm good at what I'm doing because I can spot uh, different things or look for clues, and I'm um, good at differential di diagnosis, and that's what I like. And working in the city, you get everything from medical Geriatrics, pediatrics, um, labor delivery. I've uh, delivered five when I was working in the city. Wow. Uh, or it's everything. Trauma. Traum okay. Trauma, yeah. With two people, yourself. And just two people. Yes. Well, and when they, when they assigned you at CVS, was, was it just you? You, you were par pretty much partners. That was your duty assignment, just you two guys. So you got to know each other's idiosyncrasies, strengths, weaknesses, and play Ab off of this? Ab absolutely. Yeah, uh, cool. My partner was uh, Alvin Lynn. Alvin Lynn, another legend. And 24-hour shifts? 24, uh, yeah, 24-hour shift. Yeah. Yeah, that's what's uh, amazing. If you were um, today, uh, obviously they don't work 24-hour shifts running, uh, running medical yeah, in, the, in the city, but uh, yeah, you were still, maybe not running as much volume, but you were still running the, the uh, significant type of calls. Yep. And you, you ran did you guys run twenty four? We did twenty four. We were up in the in the in the city on Churchill and twenty six in in West Broad at the old Noldy's Bakery. That, that's where, uh, yeah, the old camper. Yep, put the camper, <laughs> camper in the building. In the warehouse. Yeah. I remember that camper was in the building. That was our that was our, our living that quarters. Was our living quarters, <laughs> and uh, back the ambulance inside. And at shift change, you pulled the ambulance out. People that were leaving pulled their car out. Yep. People that were there for the day pulled their car right. in, mm -hmm. and then pulled the ambulance and started your day and. Um, yeah, it was that we've come a long ways. Yeah. <laughs> wow. And, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Long yeah. ways. Well, Frank, I, um, I kind of try try to wrap this up a little bit. Um, I mean, you're obviously still engaged in the in the teaching into things and and passing along that wisdom and knowledge and experience to the new providers coming along and even even experience when I think you're still engaged with uh, continuing ed and across the board. What? Let's say you've got a a, a five minutes with a, a fire. EMS agencies recruit recruit class that's going to graduate tomorrow. They're just starting in their career. What uh, what pieces of advice or pearls of wisdom would you give them to 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 get them to their fifty year mark in their careers? Rely on your training. 
when you go out there, there's always the unknown, the unexpected. And so you really don't know what is the, your e really expectation when you run a call. Rely on your supervisor, rely on your uh, uh, crew, because they're, they're, they're gonna guide you through as long as you rely on your training. Don't try to do anything that will get you in trouble. Don't lie. That's the big one. Don't ever lie. And uh, uh, just do what, well, what's best for the patient and for uh, the calls. Frank, is there a, a one call that stands out in your career of fire EMS type calls that just still stands out with you? There's several. Uh, the uh, tornado that hit Colonial Heights. Mm -hmm. We were we were there. Uh, what were you? You were. I was on uh, State. No, I was at uh, Company One. You were at One Mother. And uh, we were directed to go to the 295 bridge because there was a report of a semi that possibly may have gotten blown over, but we got redirected to Clonin Heights. And so when we got there, we staged, and then uh, John Crosby- John was in charge for a while. Was yeah. in char charge, so we just uh, fell in work with that. So that was pretty mem memorable. The other one uh, I, uh, I can remember is the med flight call. I was over at uh, Station 15, and uh, I was on, on a dive team. Uh, I wasn't on med flight at that time. We got a call for a person uh, trapped in the river. We heard the uh, call. So I called, um, uh, who was the battalion chief at the time? But uh, I called the battalion chief and said, hey, I'm a diver over here at the station. I got my gear uh, with me. Uh, it's okay if I run over the med flight and just uh, I'll, I'll get on the bird and just head on down there. Because the way it sounds, the, they were in imminent danger. Uh, on the was this James River in James, the city? Yeah, it was yeah. Appomattox. Oh, in Appomattox, so rapids, yeah, moving water. Yeah, right. So, well, what it was is uh, these folks from, I guess they were from up north, New York, and they got on on, on the river and they didn't uh, expect you know that much of a water on, and so the canoe they uh, were on got swamped, and they picked this one one little rock no bigger than this this table, and all three were hanging on, uh, freezing. Uh, one of the guys that happened to be in the area heard them yelling, called 911. Uh, so when we got over, we can see them. And so the dive team was uh, coming with the dive team uh, a van. And so we were like a recon going over there lo looking, uh, telling the dive team what, what we saw. So John Green was the um, flight flight medic on, on there. And uh, we, we circled around and we saw one of the persons slip and it was hanging on, and we told him that, hey, you, uh, we got one victim getting ready to come off the rock, and you could see down river, there was a log. If she uh, slipped, she would have gone right into that log and strained and she would have a big strainer, yeah. Yeah, so uh, we we gave that. So we could see him uh, uh, trying to make it out to, to the rock, and they were getting beaten to death with the, the boogie boards, you know, that they were gonna use, and they said, can't, can't do that. <coughs> so, we uh, saw, saw him just uh, uh, take the life vest out and got it onto this lady. And so they were on a rock and they were holding on to it and they uh, uh, said, well, come on down, let's do a, do a pickoff. With the aircraft? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that was, that was memorable. So were you in the helicopter when they started doing the yeah, picks? Yeah, John Green was uh, at the door and I was uh, laying on the floor. And so when we uh, come up, I'll reach out, I'll, I'll grab him, put him on the skid. Then both of us will uh, pull on, onto the uh, floor. Up into the cockpit. Into, into the, yeah, yeah right. into the passion compartment. So was that, you know, th that med flight dive team connection, was that kind of the first time they had used that? I know that at some point the dive team and the med flight crew started training together. Were, were they already training together before yes, that? Okay, yes. So this was yeah, the this result of that training in Yeah, it was the result of that training. They'd done uh, one other where the guy uh, jumped off the Powhite. Uh, and they, uh, uh, the Richmond dive team uh, went out and got them. They uh, did the rescue with them. Wow! But those are the two that kind of kind of stood out. I imagine there's others. You remember that accident that uh, Doug Hankey and Lanny Jones was in I in the amb ambulance? I do well. I flew that call. Really? Yeah. So uh, it was. Uh, there was weather. Okay. And it was kind of a it, it, it rainy, was, cloudy day. Yeah, it was a rainy, cl cloudy day. And I was flying with Andy Anderson. So you know Andy. Yeah, yeah. If, if there's any clouds or any, yeah. we ain't going. He's, okay. he's a 
aggressively safe pollen. <laughs> He's very aggressive. So um, the phone rang. I, I picked it up, uh, and then the, the regular phone rang. So I was a little on the uh, the the ring down. Yeah, the ring down, and I was talking to Chessfield. So I was on uh, on the uh, ring down. Said, "Okay, Ironbridge Road and the accident uh, involving ambulance." And then uh, I was uh, talking to dispatchers, and he, he uh, she said, "Frank, it's one of ours." And I went, "Oh God!" And so Andy heard that because initially he was going like this when I picked up the ring down. This is we ain't going. And then when he says, uh, when hearing me say one of ours, he went, let's go. So yeah. I think he may have gotten in trouble that day. I'm not sure for flying that day because we were actually scud riding. Yeah. We lifted up. Uh, we were both treetops, and we could see the clouds starting to bank, bank down. And so we, we landed, uh, um, and I could see the ambulance. I could um, um, see where the dump, dump truck hit it. So when I got uh, landed, I walked up, and when you see people run to you, there's something serious. Yeah. So they said, get over here. Uh, well, we got uh, Hank, he's a driver, he's trapped, he's pinned. Lanny Jones is also hurt, but we're ta taking care of him. So when I got, got there, I opened the back door, walked through. David Harrison was holding Dougie. So you came through the back door of the I, ambulance? Yeah, because there was no front. front, the front. Yeah, yeah, there was no front. Uh, the front was pushed in so far. Um, Dougie's uh, left knee was against his chest. Yeah, that's how bad it was. And his arms was uh, through the steering wheel being bent. And so I uh, told David, David, move aside. I need to get where you are. And um, Lanny was uh, holding uh, Dougie, and he says, nobody get in here. I don't want to see anybody but firefighters. But blue uniforms. Blue uniforms. He says, get the hell away from me. So I says, Lanny, it's me. He says, take care of Dougie. Don't worry about me. And so um, Dougie was kind of unresponsive at the time. But every time you touch him, move him, he, he would scream in pain. So I knew that that was a good sign right there. But he, he was definitely trapped. Did you wind up flying him out of there, or did you guys no, go by ground? That, that the was weather? the thing. When I was uh, wor working with um, um, Dougie trying to uh, figure out what, what we needed to do to him, I heard the helicopter lifted off. And I and I looked and I saw him uh, take off. Went oh no! There goes my ride. There goes my ride. So we did uh, take him by, by ground, but uh, well, that was that was pretty close to the airport, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. Uh, so that that scud run you were talking about, I'd done, done it a few times. Is you know short distance known area. You know they, yeah. those guys knew that neighborhood pretty well. Pretty from well. Antennas and yeah, knew the field. So yeah. I was wondering, uh, you know, if he. You know, from there to MCV, a little bit, a little bit more dicey. Yeah, um, it, it would have been uh, more dicey, but yeah. so good thing Andy got got you there. Yeah, yeah he got me there, so I, I remember that 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 call. And even then, that was probably before a lot of the skills that you know we we could do back in the day on med flight. The the vast majority of ground medics, the people who were on the ambulances and the, and the medics and the engines, they couldn't do. Nope. They didn't have the equipment, the nope. training, and the skills to right. put those things together. So yeah. that's yeah. what you were bringing to the party. Yep. Yeah, it was really that advanced airway. Yeah, that advanced oh. airway. Yeah. yeah. And that that's one of the toughest calls to be on. Um, is something that's critical in nature like that, but it's somebody that you, you know. know. It's it's a family member. I, I remember focusing on what my task was, what am I saying, what am I doing, and don't think about the person himself. Uh, I, I remember doing that, just focus on wh what what you need to do. Yeah. Right. Well, we know somebody who's looked up and saw Frank Chin, so uh, we'll get Doug. Well, I want to get Doug and, and uh, Lanny on here, too, talk about that call. Yeah. I mean, that was a yeah. significant event. That's probably, at the time, the closest we'd ever come to losing Losing somebody, yeah, because we know. didn't know. And after I dropped uh, Dougie off, we didn't know if he was going to survive or not. It was probably I was working number nine that day. I can we and and literally we were all in the in the watch room listening to the radio yeah. going. We want to go. We want to go too. But you know, it's a little bit further for number nine yeah. to get down there. So. Yeah. But uh, if I was to think, those were there were probably the two. Mm. Well, well, Frank, I'll say this: there, there's no doubt there are hundreds, if not thousands, of people that are here today because of your efforts, yeah. of what you did personally to uh, to help them, save them, guide them. Uh, but more importantly, there are equally thousands of people that you have trained that are now carrying on that same um, mm. accomplishments and and uh, 
community service back to giving. So thank you for what you've done personally, well. but, but equally thank you for training all the people that are out there today yeah. uh, providing uh, equal, uh, equal care. I'm not the uh, easiest person to, um, um, when it comes to training, I'm pretty, pretty serious. I'm really direct on it. I won't take no nonsense. So I imagine I didn't make a whole lot of friends when I was teaching out there. But I made it a point that if you want to uh, learn, uh, uh, do it the right way, that I'm going to teach you the right way. Yeah, that, well, that shows. I mean, Pete, you, when you're running into doctors and providers in Florida and they remember how what the impact you had on them. Yeah, that's surprising. In their EMT school or, or wherever we, they, your paths might have crossed, it, uh, you obviously stuck with them. And, and I'm betting it's in a positive manner because if it was negative, they wouldn't be reaching out to you. Hey, you taught me. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, I remember this one gentleman came up to me and says, you don't remember me. And uh, this was at um, St. Mary's Hospital. And he came, came out and says, you don't remember me. I says, no. I said, you said that I would never mount to anything in, uh, in my uh, career when you taught that EMT class. And he says, look at me now. So he, said, did he take, it was at the challenge to him personally was, to say, it, oh, it let was me a show personal, you. Yeah, because what I said, yeah. because he wasn't um, putting effort into it. Uh, he wasn't uh, doing an assignment, and I felt that he was just wasting his time in the class. So that's when I went up to him and says, you'll never mount to anything. And I think because of that, he kind of, took it like a challenge hey the brutal truth is hard to swallow sometimes yeah Yeah. you don't always pass the first time yeah okay yeah me too right (laughs) i mean yeah you need those failures exactly so uh, well man that's a neat story that uh you motivated that individual and by by towing the professional and personal line yourself you're gonna if you're gonna do this job you're gonna do it right and you're gonna meet the standard or you're not gonna do it yeah i've always been like that yeah that's awesome Anything else you want to share with the, the crowd? No, but I, I appreciate you having me on here, and thank you for the kind comments that you gave. So, um. and, I, and I'm, I'm literally not making them up. I've had people tell me that before. You know, if, if I'm hurt one day, uh, if I look up and see Frank Chen, I know I've got the best chance, <laughs> and, and I echo that. So uh, I hope I never see you like that. Yeah, but if I'm ever like that, I hope I see you. <laughs> yeah, me so, too. <laughs> right. All right. Well, Frank Chen, uh, 50 years of service. Thanks for being an educator, a provider, and your service in the Navy and uh, service to the community that continues today. So I, I don't I don't see it ending any time in sight. So thanks for being here. Thank you, Robert. Thank you, Henry. Oh, thank you. Thank you.